when it comes to to our customers and you know not just using our systems which we want them all to do but in in using other suppliers and and things like that uh, you you have to kind of ask about what are, what are those benefits if there's cost savings here um, you know by switching to you know a bio, biodegradable product for cutlery right if if there's that there what you know sometimes there's different kinds of savings sharings or other other avenues for them to explore with their suppliers it's not necessarily the step of taking and making the switch but it's just asking the question and that doesn't require a ton of effort and it's not nearly as scary Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three, the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different, better, and special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good for you, lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration. So you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome everybody to Winning at Work. It is Tony and You all know I live up in a food desert right now up in North Carolina. There are very, very few restaurants that we have to choose from. I think I've got a, it's not, forgive me, it's not even a restaurant. This is a, it's a, um, it's a gas station, Subway, McDonald's. Uh, My guest is probably horror hearing my food options that I have in, in Western North Carolina. But I did get the chance to head down to Atlanta this weekend, so I did get to enjoy uh, life back in restaurants. And as I was looking around the restaurant, I could tell some of these restaurant spaces, they really have not gone through their next phase of innovation, right? Sustainability is definitely coming. I just got a a package in the mail from uh, UPS, from one of the new brands that I had just interviewed, or I will be interviewing. And everything, everything about the product was, is sustainable and recyclable. And this leads me to our subject today. And that is really what can restaurants do 
to be more sustainable? And are there companies out there that are helping and kind of providing a little bit of that um, infrastructure support that would allow for a restaurant to start making their first moves into sustainability? And you might remember last year, I had on Jeff Kiesel. He was he's the CEO for Restaurant Technologies. And they've been doing so much within the circular economy that they wanted to come back. They wanted to share a little more information with us today. And I have Diana Gessiking. She's the vice president, corporate counsel. She also heads up the initiatives for ESG. And among with probably everything else that they decide they want to throw at you, Diana. Thank you so much for being the guinea pig. They said, go talk to Tony. And you said, why not? Sure. Why not? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You get you get that a lot as a lawyer, as people will come to you with kind of the odd things. Hey, this, this doesn't seem to smell right. Could you just look at this? And that's what we do. General counsel, you just you just figure it out. And so you go with the flow. So you you obviously must have a very adaptable kind of personality because that is not the normal thing that you would ask your your VP general counsel to do is to go on a podcast. But you, you brave soul, you have done it. I have. I have. The, I, I have done it. I have been filmed and done some speaking engagements. So I, I like to think of myself as the atypical lawyer, the one that has a little bit of a personality, can be fun in given situ- situations, uh, <laughs> but then but then also can you know help the keep a company safe and out of trouble. Uh, and then in this case, of course, promote all of our great, awesome ESG efforts. Every time I've ever gone to a lawyer and asked a question, I literally, if I could play bingo with this and I would win, it's always, it depends. Always, always that catchphrase, you know, you need to have a shirt. I promise you, I did not even prepare that remark. It is just, it is a fact. It just depends. No, that you took the words out of my mouth because I was, that's what I was going to tell you. Well, it depends. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so for those who may not be fully aware of uh, restaurant technologies, just explain the place in the circular economy or in the uh, restaurant uh, infrastructure that RT plays? Well, so we've been around for over two decades. And for a very long time, we have been eliminating those really risky jobs in the back house of commercial kitchens, right? So, you know, I'm going to get to the circular economy, I promise. But one one of the things when you think about, okay, when you're cooking and you're frying and you are having your employees handle all of that hot oil, right? Because something has to happen to it at the end of the day when you got to change it out. You got to haul it out. You have to carry it and throw it out back and put it somewhere. And so we got rid of that. We automate it. We make it easier and safer for people to do their jobs. So no longer are they handling that hot oil. No longer are they using single-use plastic jibs that just get thrown away and end up in landfills or the cardboard that is associated with that as much as it is recyclable. And then also, of course, our hood and flu system, you know, getting up there and making sure that it is automated and it's always clean instead of having to have people come in and, and scrape that grease out, reduces the risk of fires, all that good stuff. And we've been doing this for so long. And we, you know, over the past few years, we realized, you know, hey, we have a really great sustainability story and we're not telling it enough. 
and we're not telling it you know loud enough to the right people. It's why you know I want them here. I want to talk about it today because we've been doing it for a while without realizing the great benefits not only to our customers but to the environment as a whole. And that gets into the circular economy. Yeah, so I think people have a, a concept, they have an idea of circular economy, but you guys do something pretty cool with the oil. Yes. So, you know, the oil that is cooking the French fries, right? And the chicken nuggets and, and all that delicious, delicious food. It, it, we supply that fresh oil and we then also, it has to go somewhere, right? Once it's used, it becomes, you know, yuco. We call it used cooking oil. And we take and collect that used cooking oil from all of the restaurants, all the kitchens, and it then gets converted into biodiesel and renewable diesel. So we don't do the conversion, but we collect it all and then we get it over to third parties and they will then convert it into biodiesel and renewable diesel. And then what we've started doing is using that in our own trucks. And so then the, you know, the Yuko that we collect is back into our trucks is biodiesel, renewable diesel. And then we're delivering that fresh oil again, you know, and collecting the used cooking oil using the biodiesel that it's created from. So that is where that circular economy comes from. You're taking something that is otherwise just waste and and being something that's thrown away and then utilizing it in another way. Yeah, and it's one of those kind of no-brainers that you kind of you kind of wish that this idea, this technology, the solution had been given sooner, but at least now it does. And I don't know any anyone else doing this. Now, there may be others, but you guys definitely exposed me to it at first. So that was kind of my first um, exposure. And I think you do have a pretty good partnership with that third party uh, yes. refiner or who it's a uh, Chevron, Chevron yeah, Renewable Chevron. Energy Group. Yep. Right, Chevron right. Renewable Energy Group is a big partner of ours. And We've also, it's been really fun to explore because some of our biggest customers and a lot of our customers, uh, like especially a college campus, they will also use the biodiesel, renewable diesel for the vehicles on their campuses. And so again, you have this whole system where they're a customer of ours, we're collecting their used cooking oil, we're delivering their fresh oil, our trucks are using the biodiesel, and then their vehicles on their campuses are using the biodiesel as well. So again, it's that it's that use of that waste that would otherwise be just, you know, in the landfills and seeping into water systems and things like that. I, yes. <laughs> think about it. I mean, I I think about all the just the stuff that I get from my own kitchen from cooking. Imagine doing it, you know, tw- uh, not twenty four seven, but you know, ho- however long the QSR is open, day over day over day. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a huge help. And obviously as you have now kind of proven this model out, I would imagine that that's a pretty good kind of sales and marketing, you know, approach too back into the food service industry. Like this is a great way for them to kind of get on board. Right. And what's, what's awesome is because we track it and because we, we understand and we've done, done our diligence and our homework on the data so we can actually go and give our customers the, the data for their carbon emission savings. So we can say down to store level, you put our system in, here's based on the amount of oil that you are expected to use for the year that you did use, and here are the emissions that you saved. So it's helping them with their own sustainability efforts as well. Right, and then it's not just some fluffy number out there you can actually give them. And I think I think you guys did publish some numbers or yes, some numbers yes. are coming out very, very soon. It's pretty shocking the the volume and what's been kind of converted. And 
I think I, I was reading one of the stats where it was like the amount of oil would fill up certain amount of like a Olympic sized swimming pool. <laughs> I was like, those are pretty big pools. You can, um, you can get some fun data. Yeah. No, it, we really, we've been doing all of our calculations for 2022. Uh, and it was especially, we, we were recycled over about 290 million pounds of waste oil which is crazy. And I know, you know, it gets up to about, you know, 100,000 passenger vehicles, right? The equivalent of avoiding 100,000 passenger vehicles in those emissions. Um, you know, I think it's something like, oh, I think in, in the in the hundreds of millions or, or, or billions of, of smartphones charged, right? And avoiding that kinds of emission and stuff like that. So it's, it's really fun to see the actual data and what it translates into. I think it's the pool that stuck with me, though. <laughs> Just imagining. A, so anyway, this is an audio, but you can still get the you you, you get the vibe, you know, on yes. that. It's a very it's a very again. It to me, it's just a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Um, so tell that to all of our customers. Tell and and you know and customers that we don't exactly, have exactly. David and PR <laughs> is going to be very very happy that uh, that 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 he's hearing this. Um, but do tell us more. I do want to learn a little bit more about just some of the the general trends, though, that are happening. I know you're you guys are kind of tracking, kind of seeing what's happening on you know nationally. Can you speak to that a little bit? So a lot of what we're seeing, obviously, we we partner with a ton of restaurants, commercial kitchens, universities, hospitals, also QSR, quick service restaurants. Not everybody knows knows what that stands for, but you know the big five: McDonald's, Burger King. We're seeing a lot of trends with them as well that they're taking sustainability very seriously. A lot of people have sustainability officers at their companies. You could you could walk into a number of locations of restaurants and they no longer have straws. Or they have straws that are sustainable straws, or they're promoting the fact that their cups are also made from, you know, used cooking oil and biodiesel and, and different refineries. So you're just you're seeing this focus a lot more uh, across across the nation in the restaurant industry. We all know plastic is bad. It's it's awful, and so that's kind of what gets the consumer's attention. But then when you get a little deeper into the operation, you find there's lots of other areas where right savings and sustainability initiatives can take hold exactly and that's one of the things we're we're back of the house right we're we're not in the front people don't don't see that the that the fries that they got and the oil that goes into it right they don't know about it and and they don't need to know about it but what's awesome is that we are taking part in that sustainability journey with our customers and by eliminating those single use plastic jibs or you know it's <laughs> jug in a box is what that stands for you know that's taking that out of the landfills that's taking that out of the the waste and again replacing it with something that is is way more sustainable so let's move into some of our discussion points today about really what what can restaurants do to start to become more sustainable. I know you've got a couple ideas. You've been kind of working in this space now for for some time. So, if you're a, a restaurateur and you're you're really wanting to do more, what what advice would you give? So, one of the things, and, and this this takes a bit of work to do, but it's it's looking at everything through a lens of sustainability. And I say, for example, what we do in house when we're looking at our product innovations, we're looking at again with that lens of sustainability. How should we be using a certain kind of metal 
if it's if it's sourced properly? Should we is this better for the environment? And that's what kind of restaurants can be doing as well. You talk about the circular economy. What what are they what do they have that's waste that perhaps could be recycled or reused? What are they doing in terms of you know there and it's it's not just sustainability always right but because e, ESG is bigger than that ESG is about worker safety ESG is about DE and I and diversity and everything like that too so from a sustainability perspective I think a lot of the focus is on how can we recycle better how can we reuse reduce things like that um, you know I, on a bigger scale are our buildings LED sort of LED certified right lead certified uh, on a smaller scale what's what's happening with the with the napkins that we use where do we source that from are they reusable recyclable and then of course we we are big into safety uh, it's a huge piece of the broader ESG story and ensuring that our customers workers are safer by putting in our systems and eliminating that risk as well yeah i do think it is challenging for a restaurateur or restaurant owner to even know where do i start but i think You've got to start with your distributor because your distributor is showing up every other week or not every other week. Good Lord, they're not in business every, you know, every couple of days, right? With the new, you know, fresh supply from, from the supply chain. I think you would, that's how I would do it. I would start with my distributor and say, you know, let's kind of go through, you know, our product offering that we currently have. And do we have some other substitutes that are in there? And start doing some cost benefit analysis. Oh, totally. No, I mean, when it comes down to, you know, should you be using plastic bags as, as, a, as part of your takeout, right? Should, you know, where, where do you get your spoons and forks and other things? I said napkins, right? But it also, it goes into your food products. You talk about, you know, our business, right? Supplying fresh cooking oil. You and we work with our partners and our suppliers who are, you know, the biggest in the world. What happens to that bean? What happens to that soybean? And what was the harvesting practices that happened with that? Are they doing you know, deforestation? Is it regenerative, regenerative and low impact uh, harvesting of crops, right? You could go all the way down that chain, but it's what your suppliers should also know and be willing to share with you. There, ha- there are different options. There's a lot of things to choose from out there. And, and that's something that we also take into account when we look at, uh, you know, who we partner with and, uh, and who we get our oil from. Right. And I think the easy response for a restaurant owner could be, well, I don't want to invest in it, you know, because of the cost. So, and they might think, well, maybe my, my customers don't care about it. So how do you help them kind of over that hurdle? It depends. No, I know. I was just going to say it depends <laughs> because it, it, it does. Right. It, it depends on the type of customer. You have a mom and a, a mom and pop shop. Right. They own they own one restaurant and maybe sustainability isn't at the top of their list. But when you start talking about other things such as safety, such as you know freeing up your workers to to do other jobs that actually, you know, increase profits instead of having to haul the, the hot oil out into right. the back. When you, you know, you talk to them about just, yes, it's maybe not sustainable, but if you think about not having to open up all of those cardboard boxes, take out all those jibs, pour it in, take the time, do you get them there without realizing that it's about sustainability per se. 
And then right. it kind of becomes kind of that, oh, a door into it. Exactly, exactly. And then once you're in there, you could show them because you did it in this one area where you didn't even realize you were doing it, right? It, it just, it made sense. Yes, the savings of time. Yes, the savings of effort, of, of workplace safety, things like that. Where else could we do that? It just, it gets them more acclimated to, to thinking along those lines, to looking at it through that lens. And so then again, when you talk about their other suppliers, what can they offer? Maybe it's not more expensive. Maybe it's, it's not. And there, there's different lines. They just haven't explored it. That's right. And someone does have to start. I mean, you do have to see something that you think is important. And sometimes you kind of have to have to put your money where your mouth is too. And then when more people do that, then you do get some, you know, better buying power and you, someone has to start, but there's also been a lot of, um, a lot of research, you know, around Gen Z and obviously a lot of survey results that are out there, you know, they, they're, they're, they look for sustainability. So, um, are you seeing that that also has kind of an impact on kind of where they want to go and shop and buy? Oh, definitely. Yes. I, you see it on, on all different levels. You see it on just employees and who they want to work for. The fact that you know people say specifically, I want to work for a mission-driven company. And I don't mean religious mission. I just mean a company with a purpose, a company that is doing more than just employing people. We see that all the time when we are interviewing candidates. And you're seeing that, that same demand from where they shop, where they eat. It is, it is a very clear path towards sustainability, towards meeting those customers' demands. I think the other challenge is that if you've if they're not actively doing anything at all, then this might feel like a really big change, right? And I think you started to touch on this, but I'd like to really kind of drive that point home that there are some steps that they could take. So what would you say to that owner that says, this is pretty big change. You're asking me to do an awful lot. How would you kind of get, try to get them to think maybe a little differently? Well, I would say, again, you start small, you start small and you, you look at, because oftentimes uh, sustainability can be a byproduct, right? A, A sustainability benefit or a reduction of carbon emissions or anything like that. It can also be a byproduct. And I, like I was saying before, when we have our customers whose sustainability is not the number one. We focus on other things, right? Putting our systems in place can help reduce insurance premiums. That's dollars, dollars and cents to, uh, to a customer. And again, then you, you get in that way by focusing on a different attribute or a different benefit. And so uh, when it comes to, to our customers and, you know, not just using our systems, which we want them all to do, but, in, in using other suppliers and, and things like that, uh, you you have to kind of ask about what are, what are those benefits. If there's cost savings here, um, you know, by switching to you know a bio de- biodegradable product for cutlery, right? If if there's that there, what you know, sometimes there's different kinds of savings sharings or other other avenues for them to explore with their suppliers. It's not necessarily the step of taking and making the switch but it's just asking the question and that doesn't require a ton of effort and it's not nearly as scary. You know what I would love to see? And I don't know if you've begun to see this yet. I think we're still a little ways off, but I'm really wanting to see the circular economy happen with the, whether not the silverware, but the, um, the takeout boxes, 
You know, I think that's, to me, that's the next big kind of advancement that we need to see because we're all talking about it. We all know it needs to happen. And yet nothing has, has really developed. Have you seen or heard or from any of your councils that, uh, that you're in and the, you know, other groups that you work with? Uh, when it comes to that specifically, no, I know in my home, we also get them right. Like, you know, sometimes you'll have the, the white kind of cardboardy waxy takeout container, or you'll have the, the straight plastic container, or then you'll have something that says this is completely biodegradable, but you don't really know what to do with it. And so it still just gets thrown away. It, yes. And, and something where you could have all of that and figure out a way to say, this is what we do, take out food. And this is what we do, you take away. And we will actually do something with those boxes. Or maybe it's, you know, you return it back to the restaurant and then somebody comes by and picks them up and, and takes them and does something with them. I, you know, you could it, go down a rabbit hole. I, you know, you really can't. It kind of reminds me of the old <laughs> milkman, you know, yes. showing up, dropping off the bottles. You put the old Collecting bottles them. outside. They come back and they collect them, you know, that everyone just put everything outside their home and everything just went around, picked it up brought it to the center, and then the center distributed back to the QSRs or the restaurants. I mean, someone's going to figure the, the economics out around this. Yeah. I would think, yeah, you you would you would definitely need investment because you need investment for kind of that, that, that startup build, right? Because you yeah. would need trucks, you would need drivers, you would need over... Yeah, there's a lot there. There is a, a lot good. there. But what would be clever, though, is that if one of those companies were to partner with a large company... That already has the trucks. That's already exactly. And that's where, that's why we just, we we talk about these things on air because we hope that people hear it. And they're the one that says, we're going to step up and do it. Well, so Diana, when you're not busy, you know, putting out fires and being thrown into podcasts, what other kinds of fun activities and initiatives do you get involved in down at RT? Oh, at Rational Technology. So I, I'm also on, on the board of the Educational Foundation. And I don't know how much Jeff talked about that the last time. We we give scholarships every year to uh, kids of RT employees. And uh, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we, we've given out you know tens of thousands every year for, for many years. And it is a really really great opportunity because uh, they're scholarships for kids to go on to secondary education. So college or what a wonderful benefit yeah, two to four year college. And so uh, it, it's just, it's a wonderful thing that, the, that we do also just partnership with the, with the community. Uh, we always have been partnered with the Ronald McDonald foundation and providing, you know, Christmas presents, holiday things for, for kids. Uh, last year we partnered with, um, I think it was it's feed my starving children, and I, I always butchered the name of it because it's either it's either feed my feed our starving children, feed my starving children. You know, you go and you, you make packages of of food that is shipped over to countries that need it the most. And then we also just recently did build a bike. Uh, so at our leadership retreat, we did a a build a bike session, and it was just really a fun way to give back to local. That sounds communities. fun. Yeah, yeah I mean. So you learned how to build a bike? Yes. It, you actually you it build it and it's also team building and engaging too because it's kind of a little bit of a competition, which is always fun. As a lawyer, I, I mean, you know, you always want to win. So it's- Of course, of course. <laughs> I just feel for those poor kids who, you know, 
wheels weren't put on totally, right because every, they just wanted, every bike was checked. I would not. I would. I can assure you that my regulatory say, wow, compliance we, team. <laughs> don't forget the uh, to tighten those nuts up there. Those poor, those poor kids. Front wheel comes yeah, just off. Just rolling around the neighborhood. Well, well, that was a nice gift. Thanks for that. Well, yeah, but they won their competition. Exactly. No. Exactly. Um, that is that 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 does sound like uh, some some great causes that that you guys are involved in. Well, Diana, you're welcome back anytime. There's so much there, though. I, you know, I say I said it earlier. ESG. A lot of people hear ESG and they just think sustainability. It's so much more than that, right? It's diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you know the things we're we're doing at our company internally about that. It's also safety. It's it's health. It's product innovation. It's board. Go- it's the it's the you know the nerdy lawyer stuff about governance and transparency and authenticity and things like that. So uh, there's there's a lot there to unpack, and and we have a great story to tell. So I really appreciate you taking the time and letting me you know try to try to dispel the boring stuffy lawyer uh, stereotype. You did that in spades today, <laughs> Diana. I appreciate it. Maybe we should have done a video podcast. You have this sh- bright, shining smile today that you'll just have to look at the at the uh, photograph to take my word on it. Oh, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. No, you're very, you're, you're very, very welcome. Um, well, thank you for coming down today and spending some time on uh, winning at work today, Diana. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.